0: When I first heard my dad's irregular heartbeat, it kind of scared me. Oh my gosh, like, that's not normal at all. That's really bad. It's unhealthy. It just sounded like, I don't know, it just sounded like empty and scary. I didn't like it. But it was also kind of like, I don't know, it was kind of, I can't get the word out. It's like kind of comforting.
1: Your heart is what keeps you alive. So... What happens when your heart stops working? That's a question that doctors have tried to answer for centuries. And with heart disease being the number one cause of death worldwide, it's just as urgent as ever. My name is Uma Lakota, and you're listening to In the Books, a podcast about stories of medicine and history. This episode is about Bill Schroeder, the second person to receive the Jarvik 7 artificial heart. Today, I'm joined by Erin Odia, an anatomy teacher at Carmel High School.
0: Blood's job is to carry uh, resources to all the cells and the blood has to move in order for it to get places, so the heart is the power behind that.
1: The heart affects every other part of the body. So, for many people, the first place they turn when their heart stops working is a waiting list for a donor heart. But donor hearts are rare, and a lot of people don't have this option. Maybe because of their age, the lack of availability of donor hearts, other health conditions, or maybe because it's just too expensive for them. But in the mid-1980s, scientists came up with another alternative, the Jarvik 7, the first fully functional artificial heart. At its most basic, the Jarvik 7 works like this. First, it gets blood from the existing vessels. The superior vena cava and the inferior vena cava bring blood into the heart. Next, it sends that blood out to the lungs to receive oxygen. It goes from the right atrium to the right ventricle, then out through the pulmonary arteries to be oxygenated. Finally, it sends the oxygenated blood out into the body through the aorta. After the blood comes back from the lungs, it goes through the right atrium, then the right ventricle to your body. It's powered by a large external air compressor, about the size of a shopping cart. Dr. Barney Clark, a Seattle dentist, was the first person to receive the Jarvik 7, and he lived for 112 days. But it was William Schroeder from Jasper, Indiana, who made history by living the longest of any patient with a full artificial heart. In his 50s, Schroeder suffered a series of heart attacks, or myocardial infarctions,
0: What that literally means is that heart tissue has died. You have blockage in what are called the coronary arteries, and they branch um, right off of the main exit tube, which is the aorta. There's huge amounts of pressure here, and so that pressure um, is also translated to the coronary arteries, so they're prone to having little bits of damage over time. If you pair that With something like high cholesterol, all the cholesterol and the sticky bits of stuff start getting stuck in those little micro tears, and then more gets stuck, and then more gets stuck, and then platelets start getting stuck. Eventually you can get to the point where the whole road, the coronary artery that's supplying the wall of the heart, becomes totally blocked. And then
1: everything that receives blood is now not getting oxygen. His heart just couldn't keep up. His health declined rapidly, and eventually he was diagnosed with heart failure.
0: Um, The heart failure is just when it's not doing good enough. It can still be pumping. It's just not pumping enough volume, or it's not generating enough force when it is pumping.
1: It was terminal. But Dr. William DeVries, a pioneer of the Jarvik 7, saw Schroeder not as a terminal patient, but as a test subject for his promising new device. And after a seven-hour surgery, Bill Schroeder woke up with a fully functional heart. Things were looking up. But despite all that optimism, Schroeder's condition declined rapidly. After only 18 days, he suffered the first of a series of strokes. Strokes that left him debilitated and eventually brain dead. What you're hearing is the sound of blood rushing through three major arteries in the brain, the anterior cerebral, the middle cerebral, and the terminal internal carotid. It would be blockages in these three arteries, along with many others that led to the brain, that would cause William Schroeder to die 620 days after being implanted with the Jarvik-7 artificial heart.
0: And so now, instead of the heart muscle cells, you know, dying one at a time, uh, because of lack of blood supply. Now it's brain cells. The, with stroke, a lot of times that can come along with having pr- a previous heart attack or something c- because um, you basically form a blood clot and that can get knocked loose but then it's gonna travel elsewhere and so if it travels up you know, near the brain, they progressively lose brain function like more each time.
1: But there is hope. When Bill Schroeder lived with an artificial heart for 620 days, he not only made his own life longer, but he improved the lives of thousands of people. Nowadays, devices like the Jarvik 7 are used as a bridge between the removal of a diseased heart and the transplant of a donor one. But for the many people waiting for a heart transplant, new technology does show promise for permanent artificial heart.
0: The, the permanent artificial heart is one of the like, uh, they call it one of the holy grails of medicine. It's like the one of the ultimate goals is to um, have it be permanent. They do have full artificial hearts. What's available right now um, is not meant to be permanent. It's meant to hold you over until you can get a transplant. There's, you know, several studies going on, but um, one in um, France with this group that they're implant, they've done implantation of artificial heart that's meant to be permanent. Um, you know, so far so good. So I,
1: I think it's not that far off in the future at all. I found the information in this story about Bill Schroeder from the biography, the Bill Schroeder story written by the Schroeder family and journalist Martha Barndett. More information about this can also be found in the New York Times Archives from August 1986. The audio of The Brain Artery is from The World According to Sound and was produced by Chris Hoff. You can check it out at theworldaccordingtosound.org. For 91.3 WHJE, this has been Uma Kocher-Lakota. For more stories like this, visit WHJE.com and search for In the Books, a podcast about medical history.